section 50 of a fair mystery this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by marcia payne a fair mystery by bertha m clay a nobleman's generosity notwithstanding all the kindness and hospitality that the earl had shown to mark it was some relief to the farmer to know that when the morning dawned he was that day to return home the grandeur of lindley court oppressed him he longed to be with his laborers and his cattle at work the earl took breakfast with them lady doris was not down she was tired the maid said i was afraid it would be too much for her said mrs brace i am sure my lord the more i think of it the more wonderful it seems yes it is quite a romance laughed the earl but neither he nor those with whom he spoke dreamed how that romance was to end in tragedy the morning being fine though cold the earl asked them to visit the conservatories by this time doris had come down and was ready to join them while they were going through one of the large conservatories lady doris suddenly caught sight of the indian plant she had admired so much at downsbury castle the plant with scarlet bells and sweet subtle perfume she hastened to it and clasped a spray in her white hands that is like the face of an old friend she said why asked the earl amused by the action i saw some flowers like them at downsbury castle she replied the earl looked keenly at her downsbury castle he said i know the duke of downsbury what took you there doris what takes half the world everywhere she replied curiosity i wanted so very much to see the interior of a castle and to see if the people living there really led fairy lives and what did you think he asked still in the same voice i liked it very much but papa i like lindley court better it is more italian more sunshine and flowers everywhere so you saw all the flowers at downsbury castle he continued in the tone of one who asks a question yes and beautiful enough they were but i saw something even fairer than the flowers papa what was that doris i saw listen gravely i remember the whole of the name i saw the lady estelle hereford only daughter of his serene and mighty highness the duke of downsbury he laughed but there was something forced and unnatural in the sound i know her he said trying to speak calmly they are very dear friends of mine what did you think of her doris it was wonderful how he learned to appeal to and rely on the judgment of this fair young daughter i thought her perfectly beautiful perfectly graceful perfectly gentle but tame papa tame child what do you mean he asked it was such a novel and not over pleasant sensation for him to hear a mother called tame by her daughter although it was done in supreme ignorance i cannot explain the word papa if you cannot understand it by instinct earl would have if he were here 
I liked her very much, but she puzzled me. Her face kept changing color. She was proud yet familiar, haughty yet gentle. She talked to me about love and marriage, just as Mattie would have talked. Poor Estelle, murmured the earl. Then he said aloud, How would Mattie have talked? Give me an example. My lord, cried Mrs. Brace in alarm, I am quite sure that Mattie never said a wrong thing in her life. I am equally sure of it, said the earl kindly. Mattie, like Lady Estelle, has great notions, Papa. Duty and all those disagreeable things were first. That is right, said the earl. Even to himself, he did not own how the introduction of Lady Estelle's name had startled him. Doris hastened on among the flowers. Lord Lindley lingered behind while he said to Mark and his wife, "'You are tenants of the Duke of Downsbury, are you not?' "'Yes,' replied Mark. "'Then I do not mind telling you in all confidence that you will probably hear or read something about Lady Hereford and myself which will please you.' Mrs. Brace understood him at once. "'My lord,' she said, "'I am so sorry that Lady Doris called her tame.' He laughed good-naturedly. She speaks her mind frankly, he said, and that, at least, is a recommendation. Lady Estelle would only be amused if she heard it. He means to marry her, said Mark to his wife, as the earl hurried after his daughter, but Mrs. Brace had the strangest expression on her face. What is it? asked Mark. Surely you are not ill. No, I am not ill, but I will say this, Mark. It is a most awful world no one can understand it do as i do my dear the world never troubles me because i take no notice of it but that philosophy was not in the way of mark's wife doris said the earl when he overtook his daughter i wish to consult you i am not a very wise person to consult she replied with a charming little smile but what little wit i have is quite at your service papa my dear child he said between ourselves the studleys have never been deficient in wit but there has hardly been one steady head in the whole race that is deplorable enough we must try to alter it she said laughingly to begin with i will steady my own what do you wish to consult me about papa i want to do something substantial and handsome for your foster parents he said what shall it be a steam plow for mark and a black satin dress for his wife that is the highest ambition of both then you shall present them those gifts but i mean something substantial what do you think of a thousand pounds as a dowry for his daughter and a thousand to be spent in improvements on the farm i think you are very fortunate to have thousands to spare and i think also that it is very charming of you to give them so much, she replied. Lord Lindley looked wistfully at her. Money could never repay such a benefit as Mark Brace and his wife have conferred upon me, Doris, he said. I am an aristocrat, it is true, but I shall be more proud of reckoning that honest farmer among my friends than I should of calling a king brother. That is a very grand sentiment, Papa, laughed Doris. It is almost worth printing in a book. I must confess I would rather have a king for my brother than any man for a friend. I think Mark will be delighted with the steam plow. 
After all, what you are pleased to call the benefit they conferred on you was not without its reward. Mark Brace was very fond of me. He always said I made the sunshine of Brackenside. The earl looked amused at this fashion of making matters straight, but before they went away, he gladdened the hearts of the farmer and his wife. A thousand pounds, said Mark, looking in the most bewildered fashion at the check he held in his hands. A thousand pounds, my lord, to spend as I like? It is impossible. It cannot be true. I must not take it. I have done nothing to deserve it. But Lord Lendley greeted his scruples with, You have done for me and my daughter that which few would have done so well, he said. I did my duty, my lord, no less, no more, and a thousand pounds for doing my duty is an enormous reward. But his surprise was redoubled when, added to this, the earl insisted that he should take a thousand pounds for Mattie's dowry, and would not hear of any refusal. Then, indeed, the tears stood, warm and bright, in Mark's eyes, and Mrs. Brace wept like a child. A dowry for Mattie, the brightest hope, the maddest dream they had ever entertained. Mattie, to have a fortune, not that it would make her a wealthy heiress, but it would at least secure her from all want. Let them die now, whensoever heaven pleased, their daughter would never want. Lord Lindley could never forget the thanks that were lavished on him, the gratitude, the warmth of emotion. And now, said the Earl, there is one thing more that I wish you to do for me. It relates to my daughter's engagement with Earl Moray mark looked at him with anxious eyes we have been speaking of that my lord my wife and i it may not perhaps seem much of a match for her now that she is a lady but if you were to search the wide world over you would never find any one who loved her so dearly as earl no one so honest so good and true it will be but a poor chance for her my lord if she finds a fortune and loses earl so i believe said the earl it is about that i wish to speak to you you will see earl on your return tell him from me that the change in my daughter's position need make none in her engagement to him tell him from me that as far as my consent can ratify and approve it i most freely give that consent tell him also that i will do my best to push his fortune Mrs. Brace looked at him with grateful approval. My lord, she said in her simple fashion, they speak truthfully when they call you a noble man. Lady Doris, proud of her name, her fortune, her position, did not feel quite so pleased when she heard this. It had been all very well when she was Doris Brace. It had been all very well in Florence, when Earl had become tiresome, she had been compelled to repeat her promise of marriage and pledge herself to him over and over again. But there had been a faint hope in her mind that when she was once with her father, under the shelter of his roof, he would never allow her to fulfill the engagement. She never dreamed that he would chivalrously exact its fulfillment. Still, she was wise enough to be silent and not say what was in her mind. 
she had learned that great lesson women so often fail in when to be silent and when to speak when they were once more alone mrs brace expressed her great sense of the earl's kindness and real goodness she thought it so noble of him that he should wish the engagement to continue it would break earl's heart to lose you she said when you went away abroad i mean i thought he would have died lady doris raised her head with the lofty air natural to her you do not understand she said the earl could not break his word or persuade another person to break a promise noblesse oblige ah my dear girl said the kindly woman you are far ahead of me i never did quite understand you you are clever and learned you have speech of your own that i cannot follow but however great or grand you may be you will never find any one to love you so truly as earl does i am sure of that she replied then turned hastily away she was growing tired of hearing of nothing but earl surely they were all in a conspiracy all plotting for earl yet despite her impatience she owned to herself that all the love she had to give away was given to him End of section 50 reading by marcia payne